What's your wish? My wish is that the people of Bikini Bottom will stop paying any attention to the inane dribble that is constantly streaming out of this dunderhead's mouth. Gee, Squidward, maybe Santa will bring me a dictionary so I can understand what you just said. What's happened? My name is Andrew White. I'm alongside the Jelly Fam, Justin Ellis, the slickest of slats, K Slats, Kevin Slattery, and the Marshman, Andrew Marshall. Uh, for those of you wondering, I just uh, re-recorded myself with that intro as Marshall has a dog on the premises who did not like my yelling. So here we are beginning the day. It is Thursday, February 17, 2017, 2022. A story for myself before we continue. Marshall's been talking about bowling lately. And last week, I went to uh, my high school's sectional finals, uh, qualifiers for the finals or whatever. And they had to come in the top two of their division to move on. And between five bowlers, three games, they won by five pins. So you do the math, it was like 2,800 pins. It was five pins. It came down to the last kid, the last throw. He needed a spare. He got it. Everybody went berserk. I'm not in high school anymore. I'm not even close, but it was it was super chill vibes. So anyway, uh, that's all I'll say. Good vibes. And Marshall, how are you today? I don't know if the dog's still going crazy, but hello. No, I think the dog's all good for now. Um, very good. Um, you know, I think if we had this show Monday, I would slander Cooper Cup and only Cooper Cup. But, you know, I think I'm going to have to, uh, you know, reconsider where I direct uh, my originally Cooper Cup related frustration of him winning Super Bowl MVP, uh, despite being schemed open for half his targets and Stafford's no looking guys and Donald's, you know, being the greatest three tech of all time. But Cooper Cup, you know, Unlike Julian Edelman, Cooper Cup actually has talent and is, like, pretty good at football, right? Um, but, you know, Cooper Cup, unlike Julian Edelman, can't really throw a football. So, you know, we'll try to ease off on Cooper Cup a little bit today. But that guy um, and his fans cost me a little bit of money. I thought it was going to be a money thing in the end. It tends to be that way, but <laughs> that's normally where the extra frustrations come out. Uh, Justin, how are you doing today? No hoodie today, but a nice hat. It's looking good. Yeah, it's uh, 53 degrees in Connecticut, so we take those today. Um, yeah, let's leave the Philly special in Philly at this point. I, I It's like not working anymore for anyone. Um, and, you know, Whitey, hearing about your five-pin bowling, you know, it kind of is what my mom says about college basketball. I guess you really didn't have to watch any of it to the last two minutes. Um, but, you know, I, I'm doing well overall. My own, I guess it's more of a collegiate story, is uh, Quinnipiac University Super Smash Brothers team, which I still play on, uh, just beat undefeated Siena um, this season. That was one of two undefeated teams left, and our only loss this season is to the other one, DePaul University. So uh, we're on our way to win another MAC regular season title, and I'm going to be in Atlantic City in three weeks for the MAC finals and get to compete in that. So uh, I'm hyped to get to go to Atlantic City. It's been like I don't think I've been there since I was like six. So I'm wow, that's hype! Congratulations, that's awesome. Bring us home the dub. That's a great time. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Kevin, how are you today? Sweater, five o'clock shadow, looking good. Not a sweater, actually. I am wearing a new. The old Washington football team gear, I got it in the mail uh, last second. I wanted to try to get it before they sold out to keep this around as a historical artifact of what was the Washington football team. And I got in the mail too, courtesy of Andrew Marshall. I got Stetson Bennett and Kirby Smart. I got that photo courtesy of me, I guess, winning that that giveaway, but thank you again, Marshall. I wanted to say that on the show and surprise you and not text you and ruin the surprise. That's, that's unbelievable. Marshall, the fact that you pulled through on that is, is wonderful. So thank you. It's good to see. That was a good photo too. I kind of like that photo. Actually. I, I like it. I like it. I might give it to oh. you, man. No, 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 no. You so, won fair like, and square. Share. We share and, and I got my own stuff. So it's all good. Anyway, let's continue. Let's begin. I should say the Super Bowl. Yes, it's over. We are four days behind in terms of recording. But nonetheless, still relevant. Super Bowl, L.A. Rams are the champs. They won it. Kevin and I did mention that preseason, so that's kind of exciting. But they won by a close one right at the end. Who was the reason for that? 
Should we say the Bengals were kind of the reason that they lost or the Rams were the reason they won? We're going to do that type of vibe here. I'll start off by saying, and uh, I, don't, I don't care if it's a biased comment, Matt Stafford or Aaron Donald are my MVPs of the game, both the winners of the game on both sides of the football. Without either one of them, Rams lose by at least a score, in my opinion. So uh, no look pass is unbelievable. Couldn't believe nobody saw that live. I don't know why it took like three days to come out. Uh, arguably one of the best passes I've ever seen and best uh, game-winning drives I've seen in quite some time on the highest stage in Cooper Cup as well. I know we had a little bit of slander before, but he got himself open when it mattered. And Aaron Donald, my God, way to just end a game by himself. So credit to the Bengals. They made it that far, but couldn't hold up in the end. Uh, Justin, what do you think? Uh, I think for me, it's uh, the Bengals' fault, and it's a stamina thing. Um, the Rams are built to like play postseason games. They have a lot of players who have played in the postseason before that have played in big games and played for extended number of games. The Bengals just don't have players like that that have that experience and play that number of games on their roster. And it showed in the game. In the first half, I believe Burrow was sacked once. In the second half, he was sacked like five, six times. So the difference that you saw between the first and the second half, the Bengals just gave out. I mean, there were six drives in a row, I think, that the Rams and Bengals went back and forth punting. But the Rams are built to deal with those long stretches because eventually they will come around. The Bengals just couldn't come back around after that point. There was no return for them by the time it got to the third quarter. Kevin. Yeah, I think on the deciding play, especially like with the Aaron Donald um, attempted sack, I think what it showed was just Aaron Donald out-talented everybody. Like early on in the game, like Chris Collins would point out how like the Bengals offensive line, how they would block and then they would have another guy to nudge block Donald as like an attempt at a double, but not really a double. But over time, like even the best strategy you can't totally take Aaron Donald out of the game. He's just too good. He's bigger, faster, stronger, smarter than your offensive lineman. If he doesn't bull rush you, he'll get around you. If he can't get around you, he'll bull rush you out of the way. I mean, what he did in that game, like, he should have been considered more of an MVP candidate, um, but he is a defensive player, so, like, that also hurts. Um, Cup, I think, had the stats, but honestly, the decision, though, by McVay, to honestly stop with the run game going into the fourth quarter and just target cup because he was open all day. Like his new nickname has to be seven 11 because he was open all day, man. In that game, like even though he got 92 yards, like, and that's considered like a low output game for him this year. He had one of the greatest wide receiver seasons, like probably in recent times in the NFL, especially statistically. But I think the change on offense going to cup more in the fourth quarter ditching the run game, and then Donald just out-talenting everybody. That's why they won. People didn't think they could win with an all-star team, but they just did. Yeah, and it certainly helps when you have the Applebee's drive through lane open for business in the middle of the field during that game. I, <laughs> I, like, if there's any man who should just retire from the league, like, it's him, probably. I, I think he should uh, go and let Jalen Ramsey, like, sign up his uh, pink slip right now for him. He he got plenty of slander this past week. And <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Kevin loves that as uh, from a Giants fan anyway. But but Marshall, your your take before we continue. So the reason why the outcome was what it was. Are you guys ready for it? Sure. Oh yeah. The Rams had more good players you couldn't scheme around, and the Bengals they did not have more good players that you can't scheme around. That's pretty much why. And the Bengals played on like, relatively speaking for the talent level of each team, the Bengals played better, relatively speaking, than the Rams. The Rams almost really screwed themselves with one, how much they were running the ball. I think this was a, the Bengals run blitzes were just on point, especially really early between Von Bell, uh, Logan Wilson, Mike Hilton. They missed Robert Woods in this game and his blocking from the slot. Obviously, he's been gone for a while, but this was a game that if the result was the other way, you really would point to, damn, man, they didn't have Robert Woods, and this would have been a game that they really could have used it. I think it kind of exposed the Rams, and we've been saying it for a while. Like, listen, PFF says that they're, like, all fantastic and Whitworth's, like, the third best tackle in the league. That is very influenced by the scheme, which is a big credit to McVay and kind of how they operate. 
um, and how well they can like scheme open receivers, which is part of Cup's you know production in a way. Um, it's not all of it, but it's definitely part of it. Realistically, what got the Bengals here was how much they leaned into spread concepts and ideology and what that gives you. If you're so far spread, you can basically play the right side of variance. If you're a worse team, you can really beat a good team, especially if your quarterback can process and the other team screws up. Well, the problem with spread teams just like from my vantage point isn't so much theoretical. It's once you get into certain games, it can become difficult to manage like very crucial situations. And we saw that on some of like the third and fourth and shorts, like they didn't want to run the ball. They knew they were outmatched in the trenches and like the fact that they didn't have that advantage, what really got them there, like when you've got over hundred million people, like Joe Burrow is great. Joe Burrow is fantastic. Joe Burrow threw 60 touchdowns like two years ago for LSU beat Saban, all that blah, blah, blah. But look, when there's a hundred million people, it benefits to have a run game. It's just easy to do. It helps you manage the game. It helps it break into chunks. It helps your mentality. It helps like so many different little aspects of everything that it just takes the load off of you. I know it doesn't get you more yards. I understand that. And I know that in, it operates a lot differently at the absolute highest level than it does all the lower levels. But realistically, it's just like, it can become too much. It can become too much to just be so spread if your quarterback's not perfect. And Burrow wasn't perfect this game. Burrow was throwing with anticipation, but he wasn't always right. You know, the early fourth down call where Ramsey broke that up, it's like Burrow's just letting that go. And that's that's the downside of really the timing and anticipation part. You can anticipate but be wrong. You know, everyone thinks these guys are supercomputers, but sometimes you don't see someone from the backside jump around, and that could have easily been a pick. Um, but I think anything – Listen, we know the Rams have elite, elite players. I think Stafford played really, really damn well. Um, that interception on on uh, Skowronek, I don't even want to dig into Skowronek too much um, just because he's like, like, he shouldn't be playing in a game like this. Um, it's like, he's yeah, terrible. he screwed up, but you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, terrible. Um, thanks, man. But he shouldn't be like playing in a game like this, and he wouldn't if the Rams didn't lose like OBJ and Robert Woods was there and, you know, you've got Van Jefferson in the mix realistically though this really impressed me especially from the Bengals' defensive side and i know that certain players like eli apple are getting crap um that i don't even really agree with like i i know he's not an all pro but listen like i swear people see like one or two plays especially with corners and just like will absolutely blast a guy i mean but especially some of the front seven players on the Bengals, they played so far up to their ability level that it really was respectable. Um, we talk about Trey Hendrickson, but Logan Wilson played out of his mind. Um, and it is a little sad to not really see the Bengals kind of cash this in as just what would have been truly a ridiculous, ridiculous end to a weird, very odd season. The Rams and the Bengals, in order for them to get back to the Super Bowl, what do they need to maintain or get? I'll say the Rams, some free agent signings that they're going to need to uh, stay on top of, but I think they'll be good enough. The NFC is going to be getting worse and worse, as uh, Justin has elaborated a couple weeks back with Tom Brady. And, and no no BS, he's not coming back for anybody who thinks he's, he's playing mind games now. He's not coming back. Um, but that's my take. The Bengals need a lot of help on the offensive line, and I think everybody knows that, and that's what I'm going to leave it at. I'm not even going to explain because I think that's something everybody understands. Uh, Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, Bengals, O-line, and Rams, I think they could be back in the situation if, you know, like Sean McVay and Aaron Donald don't retire. But, again, that's like that's like rumor mill that I don't believe. So I really think the Rams could be back in the spot next year. And Justin? Aaron Donald and Sean McVay have both said publicly now that they're both coming back. Aaron Donald in a drunken uh, run it back yell and uh, Sean McVay on his wife's TikTok saying, I'll be back next season while drinking a glass of champagne on their couch. Um, so both of them are coming back. Um, somebody who won't be coming back most likely, I think, is Andrew Whitworth, which will be a major loss to that team. He's probably a top five offensive tackle in the league as he's walking out the door. Um, but on top of that, they do have free agency that they need to stay on top of, like um, Andrew White has mentioned. 
Austin Corbett and Brian Allen, two of their offensive linemen, will also be hitting free agency this year. I don't think they're going to be able to sign both of them. Um, so I think they're going to possibly have to turn to the draft a time bit here, especially since if they feel like they need to pursue Von Miller. Um, I think Van Jefferson needs to step up a bit into that OBJ role. I don't think Odell's coming back with his injury. Um, and I'm not going to touch on this too much, but in the off chance that Brady does return, um, which I think if Chris Godwin re-signs with the Bucks, I think that's a sign he might because Gronk hasn't retired yet, and that makes me a bit nervous. Um, I would not be surprised to see OBJ move on to the Bucks, and I think they re- need to redevelop their run game at this point. Um, uh, the run game looks absolutely horrible at this point for the Rams. They did not look good. Cam Akers did not look like what he was supposed to. Uh, there was so much I put on the under of Cam Akers rushing yards because I knew he wasn't going to ever reach 62 and a half yards. Um, and then Bengals, it's actually a lot simpler for them, in my opinion. I think next season, the Bengals might be the better team than the Rams. I just think the Bengals are in the tougher conference. It's simply offensive line and cornerback play because no offense to Eli Apple. Yeah, he had a bad stretch these past few games, but he's had even worse stretches before. This isn't something new for Eli Apple. It's why he gets tossed around like a dirty rag from team to team is that he's had consistently bad play on several teams. He's, he's not a corner one. And quite frankly, he's probably not a corner two. He probably, he's probably the best corner three in the league, but I don't think he's a one or two right now. Uh, Kevin. Yeah. You were going to say something. Yeah. So what if Tom Brady, right? Because Gronk hasn't retired yet. What if he calls up Jerry Reinsdorf and he says, Hey, can I play for the Birmingham Barons? And can I wear number 45? Um, he waits a year. Then he shows up at training camp. And then and that becomes a commercial with Michael Jordan. Could that happen? You know, no, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll take, the, I'll take the under on that one as well. Um, but creative, creative to say the least. Um, it could be a small addition to the last dance, Doc. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> Marshall. So for the Rams, um, like Whitworth hasn't been able to bend his knees in like three years and he can like still play tackle, which I think is like very impressive. I mean, he's a huge guy. He's what, six seven, three thirty, you know, whatever he's, however his weight has changed. I don't think he's top five, but I think he's like, he's like clearly above average. And then his consistency is probably top five. So depending on how you grade him, um, he just can't do like ridiculous stuff anymore that like, some, like he's not washing guys down in the run game or like doing any like crazy reach blocks that like give you explosives, but he's still very consistent against most rushers. Um, Trey Hendrickson kind of exposed that uh, just overall like lack of bend uh, with one of his outside rushes early in the game. But, you know, outside of that, like Whitworth, like he, it sounds ridiculous, but he could play another year. Um, I don't know how. I don't really know how, but whatever he's doing, keep doing it. I, I think that's more impressive even than Tom playing at 45. Just be just I mean, I mean you can do it at O line because it's not as get off dependent. But um anyways, I'm going down a rabbit hole. The actual answer to the questions. Um the Bengals I don't even think it's as much like their line looks a little worse than it is. Jonah Williams is overrated. I think he's been overrated. Um, he, his reputation definitely exceeds like what you get on the field from him. But if you can just improve the right tackle spot, like I think Burrow's going to be just fine. Burrow's just going to have to almost have, I don't want to put a lot of this on him, but he has to almost operate the way that he has to win the way that Peyton Manning won in the sense that he's smarter than you. He always knows where he's going pre-snap. And I think the less he is, I think the more pre-snap dependent he becomes transitioning into his career as opposed to, to post-snap. If he's if he really starts to continue to rely on the post-snap stuff, he's going to get himself hurt. He's had two knee injuries in the past two years. I know that this one's minor. He's going to recover from it. Um, but he has to really win like a mobile-ish version of Peyton. Um and just lean into the spread ideology. Jamar Chase is is absolutely incredible. Um, Chase, I don't know where exactly he goes. He's a hard player to project because he's already so so fantastic. But if you have a guy like that, um, like 
dude, that guy is just so important in, in terms of the spread, in terms of opening up the field for a player like Burrow. Um, so the Bengals, I just think that their defense is like pretty good and solid based on the talent that they already have. They're almost like the Bills in a way, a um, little bit different personnel-wise where they have very good players and they are able to kind of maximize and overachieve with the collective group. The Rams, the Bengals really just need to almost have Burrow play a little different and then just have the protection get like 10 to 15% better. Um, and if you keep the weapons, like the weapons are the first thing in a spread offense. So it's young core. You still have it together. The Rams, I mean, I just don't see how they can really compete for it next year just based on if they lose Whitworth. The receiver, like Cup is not having the season that he's having this year. And they don't really have ways to replenish. I mean, like they gave up their two and three for Von Miller. They can theoretically resign guys, but, you know, I think they caught lightning in a bottle when they had to, and they built their team in a way that they were able to go all in. So props to them. All right. The hall of fame talk. Um, I'm not going to explain this too much, but because there's more to play for some of these guys, not all of them, obviously, uh, frankly, <laughs> Only two guys, maybe. Okay, so Hall of Fame, which QBs of these do you think are Hall of Fame worthy now? This has nothing to do with a couple that might still play. The following, Stafford, Eli Manning, Big Ben, Rivers, Romo, and Matt Ryan. Uh, I will begin. Stafford is a yes for me. Um, at, nuts stats all across the board. I think he has a one of the best TD interception ratios or like the fastest to get to whatever amount of yards, 40,000 yards or something is a small amount of uh, interceptions only second to Stafford. So yes for Stafford. Yes. For Eli Manning. Yes. For big Ben. These people have two rings each. Uh, no for rivers. No for Romo. And yes, for Matt Ryan, simply because he is top 10 uh, for passing touchdowns as well as yards, I believe. Um, so I, I got to give him the tip of the hat for that, even though he has zero rings. Okay. Uh, Marshall, which of these guys are Hall of Fame ready now? Yes to Ben. Not sure. You're, you're muted, by the way, unless I'm, am I, was that just for me? Oh, that was okay, just for me. Later. Sorry. My bad. Okay. Continue. <laughs> so yes for Ben, not sure first or second ballot. It depends what standard you want to go by, but he's a definite in for me. Manning, I won't really argue you either way on it. Um, I think I've literally just flipped sides on the Manning thing. I'm not super opinionated on it. I think that the people who are like, absolutely no, like the fact that he did it twice, like if he just did it once, like I wouldn't even consider him, but the fact that he had the runs that he did twice, both as underdogs and one, like a two touchdown underdog against an undefeated Pats team. I know you're not supposed to count Super Bowls for more than one, but that does feel honestly more impressive based on kind of just how he played. Now, I mean, it involved a guy getting a ball stuck to his helmet. It's a little fluky, but, hey, that's football. I'm going to say no on Manning. You know, I just personally believe in having a higher-ish standard for the Hall of Fame for quarterbacks. I think that there's been – it's so dependent on just situation, low-key luck, and just – the situation you're in. I mean, we saw it literally with Stafford this year. That guy couldn't even get to the play. He got to the playoffs one time, didn't have any playoff wins for this year, and he had Calvin Johnson on this team. It's not about that in this sport. Um, and I think the one truly transcendent player that I just don't really think, even if he wasn't a Steeler, I think he would still be a Hall of Famer as Ben. Justin. Yeah, so I found this one really interesting because social media believes that, like, all of these guys are going to make it and that the Hall of Fame standards have been lowered. Like, everyone is very confident in that. And there, I was looking at metrics on how different places measured the Hall of Fame metrics and what qualifies as a Hall of Famer. And based off of the average metric, they also think that Hall of Fame quarterbacks, the needs to make it are way lower now as well. And we talk a bit about Stafford and that Hall of Fame quality. Stafford out of that list that we just named is actually the second lowest on the hall of fame metrics in order to make it. Matt Ryan is the highest out of the people on the hall of fame metric that we just named. Um, personally, I don't think Matt Ryan is a super bowl is meant for a hall of fame. I mean, maybe and even if he won that super bowl, I don't think he'd be close. He's too Joe Flacco like to me, 
Um, but I, I do think Eli makes it. I think there's a personality thing that does go into being a Hall of Famer, and I think that's going to help him. Um, I do think Big Ben makes it because I, once again, think there's a bit of a personality. and like a stay, I think staying with the team over the duration of your career also helps with Hall of Fame prowess. Um, but I think the rest, to me, aren't Hall of Famers, but most of them probably will be Hall of Famers. If anyone outside those two that I think will be, I think Romo will be, and he'll make it as like an announcer someday into the Hall of Fame. Um, I don't think he's going to make it on his playing prowess, that's for sure. And Kevin. Yeah, for me personally, I have everybody making the Hall of Fame as a player, again, like except for Romo, but I agree with Justin. I do think his announcing is so good that he'll probably get there as an announcer, even though he does have merits as a player. It's interesting because if you look at all these guys, so I guess it shows the playing style today because a lot of these guys are like in the top 10 for receiving yards and touchdowns. Like Matt Ryan's like in top 10 for both. Like Eli is like 11 or 12. And yes, I'm putting Eli there because he also beat the Patriots twice. Please don't at me. Um, but I think all these guys, just with their numbers, I know people say it's a different game and you shouldn't respect it as much because the passing games opened up so much more. But you look at the guys and the numbers who have made it versus, versus the numbers now, I think it would almost be ignoring the history and the accomplishments of these guys who, I mean, if, if some of these guys were in different situations, you could be talking about them like Stafford. Like we saw for the first time this year, like age 34, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Like if he wasn't on the Lions who hadn't won a playoff game in 60 years, uh, does something change for him? Does he get more of a Matt Ryan career? So I have all those guys except for Romo, but as an announcer, all those guys, so basically as players, I have getting in. Okay. <clears throat> the Colts are expected to trade or release Wentz, one or the other. Where do we think he lands? I will begin with saying the Browns. I think that is my – it's kind of a dark horse sleeper. I, I'm leaning a little – I mean, Commanders, Steelers, sure. I don't really want to follow the flock on that one, so I'm going to go with Browns. Get a, get a little discomfort going here in the group. Uh, Justin. Uh, I think for me, I still think Baker's probably the Browns quarterback because he has too many commercials of living in the Browns stadium. How can they just evict him from his home like that? They can't evict him. <laughs> they probably he, that his contract probably allows him to keep his room there. That would be a horrible thing to do. He'd have to go to court over that. That's a lot to deal with. Um, right, but, right. But legitimately, um, I think Carson Wentz goes to a team that has had the most film and has the most experience with him. Um, I feel like I'm going to keep saying this team until a quarterback actually does get picked up by them. Um, I think Carson Wentz will be released and given to the Washington Commanders. Um, Washington just has a lot of experience with Carson Wentz. They know what they're getting. They've seen his good. They've seen his bad a bit. Um, and I don't feel like Washington is ready to commit long-term to a quarterback at this point. I don't think they have anybody they're absolutely like in love with in the draft. They don't have anybody to be in love with in free agency. Um, so Carson Wentz is a really good in-between at this point to see what you get. I think they're not going to keep going with Heineke. They're not going to keep going with Fitzpatrick. Um, so I think Wentz just makes a lot of sense at this point. Kev, where do you have? Dark Horse team, the Carolina Panthers. Could that be in the cards potentially? If not, maybe San Fran as a dark horse if they don't feel comfortable with Trey Lance, even though I think they're going to give him the starting job. Um, but I'll go with Carolina. All right. And Marshall. You know, I like the Washington one as well, but I'm going to go Cleveland. Um, Cleveland. <laughs> sorry. Cleveland. Baker's just so bad. Like, you know, Wentz might honestly be shot too, but at least he can just do something. And his main issue is just not being protected and just, basically short-circuiting under, like, immediate pressure and holding the ball. Well, they've got a pretty good old line, and I think that they'll do the best to limit the amount of times so he can just screw up the game. So they basically tried to do that with Baker. The problem with Baker is he's just way less talented than Wentz. At least Wentz will give you something. You'll have some downfield playmaking. You might have some scrambling ability. He's still not going to be great. But, I mean, he's better than Baker Mayfield, which I guess if that's the standard that we're going to now, that's a pretty bad fall for Carson Wentz. 
Okay, so let me double check this because I've been doing this every couple of weeks. So we know Garoppolo is better than Mayfield. We all agreed. I think we can all agree that Wentz is better than Mayfield. Is Wentz or Garoppolo better than? Go Wentz. I, I think Wentz is better as well, personally, when he's not injured. Oh. I think Garoppolo's too like basic Wentz. or mid nowadays. I'm not even that confident about that. Wentz has a higher uh, ceiling and a lower floor. Um, so I- I'd probably take Carson Wentz just for the sake of the ceiling. I'd rather crash and burn than be mediocre. Right, right. We don't yeah. want to be mid. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the I, I... Midwest. Everything's okay. mid in the Midwest. <laughs> I just Great. can't believe this guy went from being like pretty much the MVP of the league to – now his floor is lower than the quarterback who throws the ball directly to linebackers. Like he's like a t- Garoppolo is like a ticking time bomb with throwing it to linebackers. Wentz's floor is somehow lower. <laughs> okay, super early Super Bowl picks, no reason whatsoever. What do you got? I got Bills, 49ers, Trey Lance playing all season. That is my Super Bowl. Uh, why'd you say damn? And what's your answer, Marshall? Because that's mine. 49ers, Bills. Yeah, 49ers, Bills. I I think Lance is going to be good. I think Lance is – I just think that the – I also just think the 49ers might have the best actual roster. Um, And with the Packers, the Bucks kind of tailing off, like 49ers could get out of there. And Josh Allen's Allen's a superstar. All right, uh, Justin. I think Lance is still a year away from being really good. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs again. Because I can't stop, won't stop. And for, for right this second, Chiefs Vikings. Ooh. I'm taking Kevin O'Connell to make his way there. I think they can be a top five offense in the league, make the right defensive moves in free agency, and you've got yourself a very tough team to compete with. Is this because Deshaun Watson said he was interested in playing for the Vikings? No, Deshaun Watson's not going to go to the Vikings. Kirk Cousins is going to, honestly, Kirk Cousins could have an MVP season with Kevin O'Connell. Like, I, I would. Not be shocked. I mean, I, I'm a super, I'm a super big advocate for Kirk Cousins. He gets so much slander for being a very good quarterback. So I mean, literally, you you've got Justin Jefferson, you've got Adam Thielen, Irv Smith will be back next season. You got Dalvin Cook in the backfield. You've got a solid offensive line. That Vikings team has only lost games mainly because of their defense and maybe one or two inconsistencies from Mike Zimmer's coaching, which should be solved with the revolutionary mind of Kevin O'Connell with the Sean McVay mindset of the two. Off two offensive-minded men who just made it to the Super Bowl to play each other. Kevin O'Connell will be competing with those two for a long time to come. And Kevin, who's your in your Super Bowl? Oh, you like that? You like that? <laughs> um, in his Washington clothing, too, nonetheless. <laughs> uh, not nah, for me. I, I got Bills, Rams. Uh, I think right now for starters, that's what I'm going with. Okay. Thoughts on the switch, oh sorry I might go switch on. to Bills Packers at some point. Yeah, we we right. can switch. We got a long we'll, way to go. We'll we'll get there. Pre but... preseason's more of like the lock a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um. Anywho, thoughts on the Nets and Sixers trade? I'm gonna get get a little bit into the NBA right now. So, um, for those of you who don't know, although this is uh, relatively old news, but it's still being talked about because neither of these players have played yet. So. <laughs> Uh, I think it's still relevant. So Harden is now on the 76ers, uh, Justin's favorite team. Uh, the Nets have, uh, oh, as well as Paul Millsap, my mistake. I'm sorry. That that does that does matter, by the way. Um, the Nets have uh, Drummond as well as Seth Curry and Ben Simmons. And I believe it is two first round picks in the future. Is that correct? One this year, one like four years from now or something? Five uh, years? Yeah, one this next year that they can defer to the following season and then one in like 2028 i believe okay gotcha so basically thoughts on the trade win lose whatever you're feeling i'll be honest with you and this is i think this is incredibly unbiased because one i hate the nets i hate kevin durant and i hate ben simmons and by hate i just mean as players like let's let's all let's be careful here um but i do think this trade benefits them greatly Seth Curry, I think, is underrated. Some people would say overrated. I think he gets a lot of slander, and I think he's a great role player. Drummond, going to help them a lot down low. They didn't really have much down there to begin with. And Kevin Durant, I think, might actually slap around Ben Simmons a little bit. Ben Simmons might actually listen to him. I don't think he really enjoyed Embiid's presence. Embiid didn't like him. It just wasn't good. 
So I think Ben Simmons will actually play quite well in a Nets uniform. And with a lot of things going on, I actually see by like May or June, Kyrie playing way more games than we think. So I have the Nets coming out really big on top here. And I think the Sixers had to do this. I don't know how much better they're getting. I've always thought James Harden is, is incredibly overvalued, but I think he'll play kind of well with Embiid and they had to do this. So this is not like, a, I don't think there was another option and they didn't get rid of Maxi or Tyrese or, or, uh, or what's his name? Thimble. Thimble? Yeah. Thibble. Yeah. Thibble. Thibble. Um, so that in that respect, they did well. Okay. Justin, the Sixers fan. Uh, it's a loss for both teams to be perfectly clear. Both teams were bullied by their players into doing a move. Like, it's that simple to start with. Both teams technically lost. Neither team wanted to really part with the players they had to part with. And now there's a bunch of players and picks that were casualties of those players' nonsense. Um, Now the question is, who's the bigger loser? Um, It's really hard to say, because I think both lost kind of hard here. For the Sixers, um, they lose a lot on rebounding without Drummond. That guy is an elite rebounder in the league. Um, They now really don't have another guy who's really going to pick up those rebounds. They're probably going to have to find someone at some point in the free agency market to try to deal with that rebound disproportion because it's going to be tough to come back from. I mean, we already saw they got pummeled by like 48 points to the Celtics um, in Philly the other day. Um, So like... It, they're in trouble rebound-wise. I mean, that's the thing that happens when you play a center or a power forward like Al Horford against the Sixers. It's a huge mismatch now for them. Um, for the Nets, um, I mean, you can say Seth Curry is a good role player and Drummond adds a lot, but you're now expecting them to play with the guy that got them traded and not have a problem. I understand they're players, they're professionals. They're going to go out there and do it. But if you're telling me there isn't something just going in the back of their heads continuously, especially for Seth, who's been in Philly for a year or two, that's like, I enjoyed what I was doing. I enjoyed my team. And now I'm here because of this guy that I have to play next to. And on top of that, you're dealing with the two biggest ego offseason stories this past year in Simmons and Irving on the same team. Um, if anything, I think the Nets drop more in my predictions of them making the finals and the Sixers do. I think the Sixers kind of broke even, I would say. I don't think they moved in my mind for all at all, but I do think the Nets have dropped a bit, in my opinion, just because they have way more unknowns at this point than the Sixers do. Harden will play eventually, and has already said he's going to pick up the contract next year and stay for another season with the Sixers. You have no idea when Simmons is going to ramp out up. We have no idea what Kyrie's situation is going to be, though I do agree with Andrew. He will probably end up playing more games than we all anticipate. Um, but there's just way more questions than answers right now for that Nets team. And it's going to be a very tough road to avoid playing in a play-in game for me. Seems like the question marks for that team have been uh, a couple of years now lingering. And it just doesn't, just doesn't end the question I, marks. for They played 16 games together. Like yeah. <laughs> that it was, it was just a constant question mark of how good will these three be together? And we really will never know. We'll never yeah. know. And we you won't. know what? Good. We don't. Yeah, right. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Marshall. It's just so weird because even with LeBron, when he went to the heat, would they start off? Like they were like sub 500. They were like eight, nine, something like that. Their first season. Mm-hmm. The, the big three in Brooklyn were 13 and three together with no time to gel. And it just ended like this. That's really nuts. They didn't even play poorly together. They've just got like so much, I guess, going off the court and kind of just how they actually gel and what everyone wants. My answer is kind of similar to Justin. I basically said it was kind of like a wash for both teams, but the key factor is basically going to be how does this motivate Simmons? That's the, that's, that's my whole take on the whole trade, right? If Simmons comes back, with some level of hunger. I'm not even saying you got to be, you know, you know, Kobe killer Kobe out there. If you come out with some level of hunger based on his age, based on what he provides, based on their current isolation scoring, guess what? Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are good enough as isolation scores. Um, and the other pieces that you got in the trade, then the nets will win this trade. But do you guys have any idea what, 
Ben Simmons is going to do. He hasn't played the whole season. This guy took $20 million in fines. And he's either going to do one of two things. Either he hated Philly so much that he's going to put all that into playing his ass off for the Nets, or he's already checked out, in which case then Philly won the trade. But as crazy as it sounds with the current state of the NBA, I think that's all I can really boil a trade down to because I do not have the predictive ability of like, what are you going to do? Brooklyn should have won a title. On paper, they should have won a title. They had three of the top, what, seven, eight scores in the league? purely scores in the league and they're gone. So realistically, as much as, a, as much as this league is like very ball centric and Simmons weaknesses still very much concern me. They're very much a product of how much does he want to work on them? And what is his over menta- overall mentality? Because he's got so, so much talent. It's just the other things that we don't see you know, on a day-to-day basis and how he's really feeling about it. Uh, I'm sure Ben Simmons is in fact hungry. That $20 million fine stuff. Somebody's got to feed that guy soon. I'm sure he's been, he's probably been living in a cardboard box in Brooklyn waiting for that first paycheck to drop. Uh, I I will add if Kevin Durant is not healthy and playing by mid-March, I think their whole season's shocked. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, I think he's being reevaluated in in early March and they better damn well hope. He's good to go pretty soon after that because Seth Curry can't just be dropping 30 points every game and saving them. And then and they can't play the Knicks every week to help them out. Uh, no offense, Kevin. Uh, Kevin. Okay, take a take a hot shot at me after the 28-point blown lead, White. Okay. Hey, listen, uh, the, the the game before that, they allowed Josh Giddy and nobody else to beat them. Okay. I don't I don't know what to I don't Shea and Dort were injured, so that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, I I I know they're bad. I know they're bad. Um as usual. Okay. Last year was a fluke. Um, (laughs) So there's a lot to unpack with this trade. I agree with what Justin and what Marsh has said, but ultimately at the end of the day, like before the Ben Simmons trade, before he wasn't playing, I think there were questions over whether he actually fitted with Joel Embiid. Um, Because again, like a point guard who couldn't shoot, but could do so much other stuff on the court, even though I felt like he wasn't making improvements, he was still super talented. And now he's in a situation where Brooklyn doesn't have a dominant big man that can take post possessions and clog the paint. So he has open lanes now potentially to operate. Um, I agree that it depends on his hunger at this point. Uh, I don't think either. I agree with you guys in that, like both teams lost, but I think they won in the sense that they made a bad situation better Um, because of the Nets didn't make a trade. I don't think they would have won. Um, I don't think the synergy was there. I don't think the health was there. And I don't think the backup bench and talent was there to help them. Uh, Philly, they had to make this move because if they didn't, then they would have been bashed in the Philly media for not going all in on Joel Embiid's and prime prime. Who's honestly like he should be the MVP probably this year based off of how he's playing. Um, At the end of the day, though, this was once again an indictment on super teams. Super teams have worked. They did work in Miami when there was a culture. They did work in Golden State when there was a culture. But you can't have any bland team or any team, even if it's in a major market, get together with a bunch of guys who don't know their personalities, don't know their playing styles, and maybe just say, hey, like, well, it fits on paper. Um, there was stuff that came out with the Kyrie and Harden stuff where allegedly like Kyrie beat him so bad one-on-one Harden. And then he said he was washed after and there was a scuffle. Like, even if that is true, if it is true, for Kyrie to instigate like that, and we've seen this from Kyrie to instigate and do stuff like this, um, that's like bad culture stuff. So I think this is a win for team building. I think like if you're Phoenix, Milwaukee, like keep, don't, keep on doing what you're doing because these big market teams, uh, they're not the smartest people in the room. They got a lot of money. They got a lot of flash, but there's very little substance and they can't build teams like you guys can. They can't find people in the draft like you guys can. 
All right. A um, little bit quick, not too much detail. Which NBA teams after this were in post-trade deadline, All-Star weekend, this weekend, um, which teams do you see could be in the finals? I will begin the West. I only have the Suns and the Warriors. That's all I got. Grizzlies, I believe, are one year away from being able to genuinely compete in a seven-game series against the Suns and the Warriors. I think they're one year away. East, I do have the Bulls come a long way. They have on me, personally. DeMar DeRozan should genuinely be considered for an MVP. Um, Bulls and Bucks are the only two that I see there with a wild card of a healthy Nets team. And by healthy, I mean Kyrie, Simmons, and Durant are all playing every game and not if they are in the play-in. They must begin with a seven-game series. Otherwise, they have no shot. And they need to be healthy. So, <laughs> so that's not really that easy. But those are my five. It's really four and a half. Okay, Justin. Uh, yeah, West, same for me. It's Warriors and Suns all the way, probably more so Warriors than Suns. Um, and then on the other side, um, in order, I only have four at this point, uh, it's Bucks, Bulls, Sixers, Heat. Um, I personally am completely out on the nest at this point. I don't see any situation where a combination of Ben Simmons, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant actually work unless Kevin Durant is putting up 50 points per game. Kevin. Yeah, for me at this point, um, I think Phoenix is a favorite out of the West, and I have them winning the title as of right now. Um, East is really interesting. I'm going to go Cavaliers right now. I really like what they did. I think this is a young team with a lot of synergy. They can play well together. They have a swing man now who can score off the dribble and Karis LeVert. Um, I, I really like the Cavaliers. You could argue the Bucks, but I think them being a year older, they do have some injuries. I'm going to go Cavaliers against the Suns. And Marshall. So... In the, I'll start with the West. Suns, Warriors, Jazz, JK, you guys are overrated as hell. I watched you guys last night. I don't know how you win 75% of your games. It's insane. I don't, I don't know how the Jazz win so many games. But I, I By the way, I knew you were going to say that. Like, I, I knew that was coming. But um, And maybe the Nuggets, but we're going to put them on the bubble. No, I'm only really going Suns and Warriors. In the East, I'm going Heat, I'm going Bucks, I'm going Sixers, and I'm leaving out the Nets because I can't – I know it's possible, but I can't bet on a team where two of their top three players are this out of shape. You need the regular season to get ready for the postseason. I know it doesn't really matter, but you can't just not play it, right? You can't just not, you can't just not play it. Um, so I think that level of conditioning, I think it's going to make – practical adjustments going it's i think it's just gonna be really hard going forward my brain like initially was like oh is there any value on these no i i don't think so um you know we haven't seen any of simmons and like Kyrie's just been inconsistent of whether he's even playing or not so i love durant but you know i i think i'm keeping it to those what five or six teams okay and this question is bringing it back to the nfl a little bit but it's more of a what would you do situation? I'm John Quinones. What would you do? Anyway, um, so Mar Marquise Brown, uh, let's just say, okay, if anybody's confused, Marquise Brown, uh, NFL player, wide receiver, we know for the Ravens is, I believe, rumored, but heavily rumored to possibly end his football career and join the streaming community. Uh, good timing here, just because Justin on our last pod had talked about um, how, how good he was, and he was participating in that bowl of uh, eSports for um, sports players who were playing. Um, so what would you do if you were, let, maybe not Marquise Brown, but a level player like him who had the opportunity to maybe kickstart this career of streaming? Would you do it? And I'm going to give my answer in a half-and-half half way, which is kind of lame. Uh, first of all, I wouldn't play for the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson throwing it to me. I would leave the team. If, if, it, was, if it was my option of I'm either streaming or I'm – if it's come to I'm thinking about streaming, it's because I don't want to be thrown to by Lamar Jackson. So I would leave um, if that's uh, not doable. 
I would contemplate the streaming career. I don't know how, you know, you really, it's more about entertainment than in my opinion, than how good you are. So can you be an entertainer or not? I personally think I can occasionally be funny. Um, but I think I'd rather test my free agency market or trade market and be a wide receiver for somebody else first. And then if that doesn't go well and I don't win a ring, I would do the streaming thing to save my body long-term. But for right now, I would just try to leave the reins. Marshall. Did you know that Marquise Brown has 107 yards a game average in the playoffs? 322 yards on 27 targets. So that's 12 yards a target. That's kind of nuts. Um, I also don't think he's like that good. But it, well, it's more, it's it's more so that the, I don't think they'll ever win. a lot of money. <laughs> like, could you do this in like two years? Could you do it sure. in two years? In your world, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to tell anyone like what they do have to do or do not have to do, but it is a lot of money that you're going to pass up. Um, and I don't know, like if he's serious about it, I'm not against it. Like he's, a, he's a first rounder. So he's what, he's probably got 15 to 20 million actually in the bank, maybe depending on if he actually saved the stuff. Um, I would want to like, probably play this out a little more he's not even 25 but who knows all right justin i mean sustainably he could technically do it but there's too much prestige as an nfl player to be earned and plenty of money too on top of that to be made by continuing your career the reason why he would step away right now is that he feels like that playing games on twitch or streaming or if he chooses to switch to youtube or whatever if he doesn't feel it's sustainable with his NFL career, um, because what's going to happen in um, the streaming place is there's a certain point where you are going to hit a peak audience where it's like, if I commit to this full time, the trend will continue upward. Or if he doesn't continue, the trend will go downward and stale out. He'll have followers, but he won't have as many viewers if he stalls out. So it's very possible he's looking at his numbers right now and is on an upward trajectory that would allow him to stream full-time but it is possible that a few years later the same opportunity may no longer be available to him because the gaming market's going to change it's going to change what people want to play um for anyone who does game like you see there's metas that go into what games are popular when and what games to play and right now those kinds of first person shooters that marquise brown is known for um and those battle royale games like fortnite call of duty Warzone, stuff like that those are popular right now Five years from now, you really don't know what's going to be supported. There's random games like Among Us that the kids love and stuff like that that were super popular for streamers. And those are going to go away. It's going to change. So it's very possible five years from now, Marquise Brown's opportunity will be gone. So I can't blame him if he makes the choice to do it right now because this is where his peak gameplay can come in. But there's just way more money to be left on the table to not go out there and continue being an NFL player. It's a lot more work and it's a lot more time, but ultimately it's going to be way worth it for your kids someday. Kevin. Yeah. There were a couple of things I took from this one. Was it, is this being considered because of a, he loves streaming more than football. Like, and that could genuinely be the case. Like, I, I don't know. Um, is it something about the Ravens or Lamar Jackson in particular? Um, or is it just, well, actually, no, I didn't have a third one, but like <laughs> overall, I, I thought I was going to say something smart, like, Ooh, like there might be a third one that like no one else has thought of it. Like, no, there isn't. Um, I, I guess at the end of the day, like in some areas of the country, like they're like, you could be so talented at something growing up, but you know, you might just not love it. Like there's a lot of people who like, are talented and get a scholarship for something, but it's like, yeah, well, you know, I, I don't really love like doing growing, you know? So like, I, I kind of just want to leave. Like there are some people who are like that. So, I mean, this is the final year of his deal. He's going to be 25. Then he's going to be 26, 27. And you guys are touching on that. That's a chance to make a lot of money. Um, maybe he's concerned about injuries, but like if I was him, even if I didn't want to be where I was, I would hold out for a year or two because I think there's a chance like a speedy guy like him 
who can catch like a great deep ball. Um, even if he doesn't get better, there's going to be teams that pay up a lot of money for his services. Kansas City, maybe. Who knows? You could get to play with Patrick Mahomes, be a Super Bowl team. Who knows? Like, I would hold out if I were him because I think it's something that he can continue to play. And yes, it might stall, but I think he can always come back to play it when he's 34, 35. But if, if this is what he loves, then I think he should go do it. If it's what you love doing, go do it, man. Do what you love. Find okay. happiness. Respect. Love. Wisdom of case slats. Gotta love it. Okay. Final question before the uh, hot take of the week from all of us. Uh, also, weekend is this weekend indeed, but um, should there be an NBA competition right now? There's dunk contest, skills competition, three point, all that. Um, should there be a one-on-one, a one-v-one competition? Basically like your backcourt, your little driveway. You have to come back to the three-point line after it hits the rim, backboard, all the, all that. Um, would you like to see that in the All-Star weekend? And how would you like to see it? I'll start. I say six players, two get a bye, and it's the, the quarterfinals right before, uh, and then the semis, and then you get in. And I think that'd be fun. Games two, seven, one-pointers and two-pointers. That's what I would like to see. And let's. I, I think I don't really like just tossing money at these guys that already have money, but for some sort of incentive, there's got to be some incentive. I don't know what it would be. I'm not really a fan of like, oh, here's a million dollars if you win. But maybe that's what it is. A million dollars if you win. I can I can ride with that. I'm also, a, <laughs> um, by the way, this is a sidetrack. I'm also a big fan of if NFL team, this is completely sidetracked, but if NFL teams uh, tank, the bottom two teams should play an extra game and whoever wins gets the number one pick. But that's just a, a side thing I think should be added. Anyway, uh, Marshall. Oh, I would, I would love to see either one-on-one or 3v3. Um, but again, it gets back to the motivation thing. Um, if you remember the South Park episode, the World of Warcraft one, there's a quote in that that was uh, that said, "How do you kill one which has no life?" And that kind of applies to this. Um, I don't know, like what you can incentivize these guys because if you lose a one-on-one, it is it in front of just like the country because I feel like people would tune into this, right? Yes, I would. It would be a massive shot to these superstar players pride it would that's true that's true imagine just getting cooked by like kd or something and you're like i don't know Jimmy Butler. like like that's i don't blame like lebron like for the whole dunk contest thing he's already amazing at in-game dunking why would he risk like coming in like third or something in a dunk contest he's not even really built for a dunk contest so i it's a the whole thing is a risk reward thing and for a lot of like the players that we already think would be great at one v one, I don't know if it can happen because if you they have so much money, you can't really offer them. You could offer them money, but realistically, All the money. equation is just different for them. They have way more to lose than to gain. But obviously, you know, someone like I don't know, like a Zach Levine or something who's kind of up and coming. Of course, he's gonna have he's gonna approach it from a way different mindset. But I would I would love something like this. Maybe uh, maybe winner's team gets an extra second-round pick. <laughs> um, that, that's pretty aggressive. But, uh, Justin? Um, it should not happen during the All-Star break. It should happen in the off-season. There should be three times this happens during the off-season, each one with about four to five games. Um, this will consist of matchups that players must agree to another player to do. It's not selected by fans or by the NBA. The players must agree. And it will include current player head-to-heads, former player head-to-heads, maybe some G League head-to-heads, and celebrity head-to-heads. And they will Ooh. sell it, and they will sell it pay-per-view so that people so that the NBA can make extra money off of it. It gives them a way to have NBA off-season basketball to make money during the off-season. And on top of that, it allows some grudge matches to happen and it allows retired players to have the grudge matches so that there are players who are not taking the risk reward over it. Each winner gets a million dollars. It's a lot of like Jake Paul, uh, Paul brothers style uh, setting up of matches kinds of things, just hopefully without as much rigging. <laughs> I like that you say that they kind of like pick their own, uh, pick their own uh, matchups though. Cause there are certain players that hate each other so much. I think they would let go of the risk and just do it. Cause they hate 
I'm, I'm trying to think of a, you know, um, James Harden versus, versus Kevin Durant. <laughs> right, right, right. Or, or uh, KD versus Pat Beverly or something. I don't know. Or, you know, Chris yeah. Paul versus Pat Beverly. I don't know. <laughs> Give me Embiid versus Simmons. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I, I do think some players would be into it for sure. Just got to make sure they don't like punch each other in the face, I guess. But, uh, yeah, but it's on pay-per-view, so. Yeah, exactly. I, all my thing is that, like, I don't think you can do it at the All-Star break because it's going to look a lot like the NFL Pro Bowl where no one's really trying and just the three-point shooter is going to win because no one's going to actually guard each other. I see. I see. All right. And uh, Kevin. Okay, so there's three matchups I just thought that need to happen. Uh, Derek Fisher versus Matt Barnes needs to happen. <laughs> Charles Oakley versus James Dolan. And then Jimmy Butler versus Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> nice. I dig. I dig. <laughs> that's what you would like to see. All right. That's that's what I would like to see. Um, I think you have to give like a huge money prize because you're right. There are a lot of guys who have a lot of pride and they don't want to go on national television and potentially get cooked. Um, I think a guy like Michael Jordan, if this was like back in the day, he'd be the first one in line. Yeah. Like crazy competitive guy, he'd be first in line. Kobe would be first in line. Um, Tracy McGrady would probably first be first in line. There's a lot of guys who back then Kevin Garnett first in line. Um, I don't think you'd get star players. You'd initially have to make it like lower end guys. It'd be funny if you had like the TNT crew announcing too, even if it was All Star Weekend. You have like Charles Barkley pick people from who he played for, and then just like get them in. But you'd have to make it pay based. Um, maybe twenty million dollars bank account, Cayman Islands. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of matchups dude, that could happen. But it, it, like, I always thought, like, why not? Because whenever you go to a gym, if five on five isn't happening and you're just shooting hoops, somebody maybe from the other end of the court comes down and says, like, hey, do you want to play? You want to play one on one? Like, hey, I'm tired, but we could do half court. The, the guy who's like, hey, let's play full court, you're always like, wow, like, that, like, wow, like, jerk move, bro. But at the same time, you know, half court one-on-one, that's kind of like a thing at pickup. And the pickup nature of basketball, I think that would be great. I think the league would do incredible, too, because the dunk contest, you've kind of seen everything with it. There's really no dunks that can surprise you now. Yeah. That's, that's a great point about the – how do you return the dunk contest to form? I don't think you can because yeah. everything that's been tried has all like, it's already been done. Um, and unlike, you know, music, I guess is like in this, it's similar to this, but there's such freedom for creativity with dunking. There's like people call it creative, but there's really only so many that you can do in a certain way. Yeah. And all the theatrics. It is like you mentioned Jordan. Um, there, you know, I, I, I've read about this stuff where they were rich, but they were, it was still like the, almost like the mindset, you know, financially tuned with the shoe deals and how, you know, everyone gets a shoe deal now for the most part, yeah. if you're like a superstar, but back then it was very, very scarce. And you were really fighting over the territory in a way. And that, kind of explain some of the the hostility of you know the isaiah and jordan thing and like you can go across like rivalries they didn't like each other because it, it was so much of what you have like i need and i don't have any other way we can't both have it like either i can have it or you can have it and so i i don't know how you solve that you know i'm not even trying to be a boomer or anything you know i'm from this generation so like <laughs> but you know, I just think it was it was very cool kind of how they had that that mindset. And then obviously like the, the Garnett Kobe generation, they got their influence from that generation. You need there a dunk be, there should be less less fouls. But go on. You need a dunk contest where um, there is a actual blocker trying to block you. You have to get creative oh. in your dunks while while Taco Falls oh. is blocking <laughs> against you. You have to come up with your dunk on the spot. It's kind of like the hockey goalies doing their like random like blind shots on goalies and stuff like that. You need a blocker out there. You get Giannis to do that for fun, for fun because he loves playing defense. He'll just block people like in layup lines for dunks. Yeah, yeah they, they, it'll, it'll be a block contest then too. Who can have the most stylish block? 
and who can uh, foul their guy the hardest. <laughs> those, those injury concerns won't, won't be an issue. Um, okay. Let's end the show with our hot take of the week or whatever you would like, any sport, any life lesson. Um, I will begin my hot take. It will not be a condiment like last time with ranch. Um, I've thought about what Marshall said before, by the way, and I do think she should be his own category aside from dairy, but um, on the real Josh Giddy will be rookie of the year by the end of the year. He has the first, he is the first, second, third and fourth youngest NBA player with the triple doubles. Uh, I don't know how much that really matters, but I think it matters for something. Uh, and he's getting close, by the way, with uh, in terms of points per game to the guys like Mobley and the like. And his rebounds and assists are going to be higher than basically everybody else. If he lowers the turnovers and starts to score like he's scoring right now, that's my hot take. Uh, Justin? We're, we're starting to get close to March Madness, so we're starting to creep on some basketball. We got a Alabama versus Kentucky on Saturday. I'm going to take Alabama to beat Kentucky by 20 points. Ooh. Number four Ooh. versus 25 ranked teams. Bama is going to three-point galore them in the submission in this game. Wow. Put that on pay-per-view. Nice. I like it. Okay. Uh, Marshall? Hot take. Oh. Come back to me. All right. All right. All right. Kevin? Yeah, well... Mm. Do I do the hot take? I well, that's the whole name of the no. show. I think you got to do it. I, <laughs> yeah, I want to do. I, I want to do one with college basketball. Um. Yeah, I'll say it. Duke March Madness doesn't get beyond the round of thirty-two. Alrighty. Alrighty. Super hot take. Probably won't happen, but. Whatever. I'm not I'm not gonna try to claim this. I said it, but I'm not gonna claim it. I refuse to claim it. So burn the tape. Wear it on your chest, bro. Wear it on your chest. All right, Marshall, with uh by the way, the very, very sexy hair today. I like Thank it. Thank you very much. Um <laughs> do you want a draft take? I'm keeping sure. both of them on ice. I'll give you one. DeMarvin Leal, very overrated. DeMarvin Leal. So we'll find out yeah, to come draft time or like after two years of playing, he'll, that'll come out. Oh no. The other takes will come out. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, we, will we know that he's overrated by, by what time do you think we'll find that out? Um, once the NFL coaches start actually watching tape and people just group think their way and basically act as if, you know, these guys like changed or played more games. Um, once people find out like, you know, whatever NFL coaches don't like it, you'll see boards either start to change, but this guy was super highly rated. I think people have already started to drop him, but I watched him and I could not believe that some people had this guy top 10. I I'm confused why Andrew asked that question. I mean, you just heard, he found out he was overrated from Marshall right now. I don't know why you need to wonder later. <laughs> I mean, you now know for a fact. I you're right. You're right. Talking about here. That's on me. That's on me. My bad. My bad. My bad. You're right. You're right. I didn't have to follow up. Didn't have to follow up. All right. That'll do it. Freaky you hot takes. My name is Andrew White. I've been alongside Kevin Slattery, Justin Ellis, and Andrew Marshall. It is February 17th, recording at 8.50 p.m. It's a great day to be alive. Sweet dreams and go dogs. Have a nice night. Uh, go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go next. Go next. <laughs>